0: Good morning, Facebook family. Good morning, church family. Um, before we get started, I just want to do a few announcements. Um, for those of you that didn't uh, see our uh, Wednesday night live discipleship, um, we made a couple announcements uh, on Wednesday night. Um, just as far as the you know the response and coming back from this COVID-19 pandemic and. Uh, you know the future of the ministry and kind of the direction that we feel like god is, is pulling us in and i won't go through all of that in great detail again if you want to go back and rewatch watch the uh, wednesday night video um, you're welcome to do that so that way you can kind of uh, get a fuller gist of everything that's going on um, and for those of you that are a part of our local body you should be um, receiving a phone call from me or if i don't reach out to you um, immediately uh because as i'm going through the process of making these phone calls feel free to call me or message me on facebook or shoot me a text with any questions that you may have Um, basically we are going to come back from covid in a little bit different style than what may normally be expected Um, for many of you you know the regulations on public gatherings not just churches but public gatherings in general um, as far as schools as far as youth camps as far as children's camps um, there the regulations are pretty extensive and because of our gathering space and because of you know us praying and really seeking what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to handle this we felt like we were going to take a step away from, gathering in a building or in the confines of a building but rather that we would start to move in a missional community house church style setting for um you know the foreseeable future Um, and this isn't you know because of anything in particular, it's just that we feel like we would be able to maximize and have everybody at one time gathered together as opposed to having multiple services or have one people one week and another group of people another week. And it really just felt like this was the direction to go. So on June 7th, um, which is the first Sunday in June, on June 7th, we will have um, a gathering here at the church, but it will be outside. Um, that way, if you want to social distance, you're welcome to social distance. If you don't mind and you want to hug and you want to converse and shake hands and all of that, then you're welcome to do that also. For me personally, I don't mind giving you a hug, I don't mind shaking your hand, I don't mind laying hands on you, I don't mind people crying with me, I don't mind any of those things. So. If you don't mind those things and feel free to you know interact as you normally would if you do want to social distance and you want to wear a mask and you want to wear the gloves and you want to stay far apart then that's an option too because we'll be outside and we'll have a much larger space to do that in So that's gonna start June 7th. We'll make an announcement on the Facebook. We'll make a post showing the times. And then moving forward, we'll start to kind of move away from just the church property, but we'll start going to people's houses and people's yards, um, pavilions, beach, et cetera. And we'll kind of make this, you know, just um, a real community instead of focusing on the necessity of the building, but focus on the community. Um, The other announcement is, is that, as many of you know, we have been praying through what to do about our future here um, with this building. And the decision was made that we would effectively allow the garden church to become a legacy church and we would close down um, this ministry here and that we would take the resources and that we would do a church plant um, in Long Beach. uh, and as we're getting on this, you know, I've reached out and I had several phone calls with all of you and, you know, I can't say enough about how great the response was and how unanimous the decision was. And so I look forward, you know, to conversations that we're going to continue to have over what that looks like over the course of the next few weeks. But anyway, I wanted those announcements to be clear because I know that not everybody gets an opportunity to watch the Wednesday night videos and I haven't had the opportunity to reach out to everyone over the phone yet. But I wanted to make sure that, you know, everybody is on the same page and everybody knows. You know what direction we're we're heading in together as a church body. So if you would just continue to pray over those things. Now, as far as this morning goes, um, I really kind of uh, I really kind of wanted to do something a little bit different this morning, um, and we'll see what that looks like. <laughs> Um, we will see what that looks like. So, if you would, let's just—we're um, gonna—the first passage that we're gonna be to in the Bible is gonna be in Luke 18, verse one. Um, but if you would, before we uh, get started in the Word and before we, you know, get started into this message, let's just go together in the Lord in prayer. We've got a lot of—we got a lo- lot of things that we want to accomplish and see happen in our future, and we're depending on God for an awful lot. Um, so, that being said, we've got an awful lot to pray about, right? So if you would, just pray for me, pray for this message, pray for the future of this church, pray that we stay unified together as a body of believers in the course of so many transitions and in the season of so much uncertainty, that we can just stay unified, that we can stay meshed together, and that we can press forward together as one unified body in Jesus Christ. Amen? All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just want to say thank you, first of all. Lord, I believe that every prayer should begin with praise. Every prayer should begin with a spirit of thanksgiving. Every prayer should begin with giving honor and glory to you, to the only one whom it is due. And Lord Jesus, I just say that while there's so many unknowns with COVID-19, with Um, social distancing and opening the economy back up and opening churches back up and people not sure of what way to step and you've got people strongly in one area and one camp and then you've got people on the opposite of this spectrum that are equally as strong in their opinions and Lord Jesus instead of letting this be a time of conflict and of division Lord I pray that somehow miraculously that in our body in our context in our community Lord, it would be a time of great unity that we would use this circumstance and these periods of transition and uncertainty and confusion to bind us together. And that we as one body would literally move forward with one mind in one accord and that we would follow your will to the T. And that there would be no doubt that the things that are coming, that the direction that we're heading is of you and is the will of God. And Lord Jesus, I just pray, God, that this morning, as I just kind of open up and share a little bit of my heart, Lord, that you would use this message, that you would speak clearly through it, that it would minister to everyone that can hear it, that everyone that has the opportunity to hear it now or anytime in the future, Lord Jesus, that this message would bring relief and rest and comfort to everyone that hears it, Lord I know that I'm not the greatest preacher. I know that I'm not the greatest teacher. Lord, and so I'm not asking for this to be the most eloquent message ever preached. I'm not asking for it to be the prettiest. I'm not asking it to be the most popular. I'm asking it for it to be an effective and a powerful message that breaks through the the masquerades, that breaks through the fake fronts that we put up, that breaks through those... Lies that we tell ourselves enough so that we actually begin to believe them, but that actually breaks through to the core of who we are and that induces change. Lord Jesus, that's what I'm after, God. I pray that this is a message that brings some change and brings some relief. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, everybody. So I kind of want to just share a little bit. Um, Is it okay if I'm transparent this morning? Uh, I know that. Some people would like a minister to be kind of a a fake picture and look a certain way and talk a certain way and be almost not human. Um, But if that's what you're after, then you're going to have to find somebody else because that's not me at all. I don't want to be fake. I don't want to be the pretty picture. I want to be real because I think that real helps people. I think that fake doesn't help anybody. And so I'm asking is it okay if i be transparent with you guys this morning is it okay if i be transparent and share a little bit of my heart and share some of the struggles that i have had over the course of my my christian walk because if i can share the struggles that i've had and share how god brought me through them then maybe just maybe it'll help you if you're in those struggles and that god can bring you through them as well maybe by the same way that he brought me out or maybe you just need a piece of that or maybe it's a building block where you can hear this and it gives you encouragement to find whatever is going to help you and bring you out of that. So I just want to ask this question. Have you ever been in a place to where prayer is difficult? To where it's difficult to pray or difficult to read the Bible or difficult to have anything to do with Christianity at all? What I mean by that is it's not that you don't Have the desire to pray, quote unquote. But when you get into a place of prayer, your mind goes blank, your heart's not in it, and you just kind of go through the motions, and then when you pick up the Bible, it's like the words are glued to the page. It's like you're opening up a, a crypt and dust is flying in your face because there's just no life that you can feel emanating from the word. And it's like you're in a room and you're supposed to be praying and you're supposed to have the presence of God there with you, but it's like your prayers aren't going any further than the ceiling, and it's like you're there alone, and you pray, but you don't hear an answer and you feel like God's not listening to you. Has anyone ever been like that before? Because I'm just gonna be honest, I'm a pastor. I give my heart and my soul to the ministry. I give my heart and my soul to Jesus Christ. Everything that I do, I try to funnel through. You know, that old uh, catchphrase, what would Jesus do? Or what would Jesus, what would be pleasing to the Father? What would Jesus like me to do? What would Jesus not do? All of those things. But there's been times in my life, and I'm just going to be completely honest and transparent, the last few weeks has been one of those times in my life to where I didn't want to pray. And I love prayer. You can ask you can ask anyone that knows me. I love to pray. I love to worship, but I didn't want to pray. I didn't want to worship. It wasn't that I was depressed or upset, it was just that there was no desire for that in me. I didn't want to read the Word, and I love the Word more than anybody that I know. I devour the word but there was just no desire in me to do that it was so difficult for me to try to pray to God it was it was like my prayers I would have so much things that I thought that I wanted to pray and then I'd get into a position of prayer and I would be like there was just nothing come out and I would go a day and realize that I had barely prayed at all and I would get to the end of a day and realize I hadn't opened my Bible and then I'd have to try to read at the end of the day so that that way I would be able to get something from the word and so it was just it was just an effort for me and it was a struggle and I'm just going to be honest sometimes it's a struggle and if you would if anybody will tell you that they don't ever struggle with something like this I'm not sure that I would believe them maybe there is some superhuman person out there that never struggles to pray that never struggles to read their word but me personally I'm confessing to you that I've had periods in my life to where prayer was a pain And I didn't get the refreshing of the rest from prayer that I thought that I should. The Word was a chore and I didn't feel like I was getting any life from the Word. And it was like the windows of heaven were sealed and that my prayers couldn't penetrate even the ceiling. And it was like I just had no contact with God at all. And it's almost like you throw your hands up and it's like, God, are you even listening to me? And in those times, sometimes your faith starts to waver a little bit. And it's like, you know, is God even there? Is this even real? Have I I been deluded? Have I been lying to myself? And I really just wanted to, you know, kind of share with you guys a couple things that have helped me through. Um, And the first thing being that you have to remind yourself. This is what works for me. It may not work for you. But when I find myself in those positions, I've never really formulated out how do I get out of this position. Because there's a million different things and teachings on how to not get in those positions. How to not get in those positions of spiritual depression or spiritual heaviness or spiritual apathy, whatever you want to label it. There's there's a million different teachings out there of, okay, this is how you don't get there. And that's great for somebody that isn't there. But when you find yourself wallowing in the pits of despair, a teaching on how to not get there doesn't help you at all. Because you're already there. Okay, great. If I'd have had that two weeks before I got here, that would have been fantastic. But now that I am here, I need something that's going to help me get out of here. And it's not always easy to find. And I've been through these seasons in my life on numerous occasions. They usually don't last a super long time for me personally. Um, I'm a pretty optimistic person so I get in these seasons and I usually come out of them within the course of a couple weeks. Sometimes it's within the course of a couple days. But every once in a while I'll have one that lasts like a month or six weeks or maybe two months. And this past two, two and a half weeks, I've been in kind of one of those positions where it's not really consistently the weight of weariness is on me or the burden of apathy or the lack of desire my grandpa (laughs) i used to work in uh, the produce and agriculture with my grandpa and he used to always say i can do a lot if i can get my want to to work (laughs) if i can get my want to to work the problem is is that i can't ever get my want to to work you know (laughs) sorry that's a rabbit trail but it, it fits because it's like you know you need to pray, pray, but you can't get your want to to work. You can't get yourself to desire to pray. You know you need to read the Word, but you pick it up and it's like it weighs a thousand pounds and you can't get your want to to work. So you don't want to read the Word even though you know you need to. And you don't want to be a loving Christian brother or sister to others because you're miserable and you want others to be miserable with you to make yourself feel justified in your misery. And you don't want to to study, you don't want to press in, you don't want to press on, you don't want to reach out for prayer, you just you're just there in like the muck, and sometimes it's difficult to get out of that. And so, these past couple weeks, when I found myself in that, I found myself praying earlier this week because I'd noticed that over the course of several weeks, I would have a period of a couple of days and I'd be in that, and then I'd be out of it for a day or two, and then I'd be back in it. And so, I just started to pray and ask God, okay, God how do I usually get out of this? Or how do you usually bring me out of this? Because I want to be able to communicate to others on how to get out of this. And so as I began praying, I got a few things, and they, again, may not help you, but this is kind of what helped me. So the first thing, point number one, if you're taking notes, point number one is remind yourself. And what I mean by that is a couple things. Remind yourself of what it's all about. Remind yourself of what you're praying for. Remind yourself of why you're reading. Remind yourself of why you're reaching out to your brothers and sisters. Remind yourself of why you're trying to do good things. Remind yourself of what it's all for. Remind yourself that you are doing this because there is a sovereign God of all creation who looked at you in your sin, in your despair, in your wickedness, and said, I want them for no reason other than the simple fact that they are precious to me and they are valuable to me. And so therefore, I am going to send my son to die for them so that they might be redeemed and have the righteousness of Christ placed in them and they might have eternal relationship." with me. Now to me, that should be enough right there, but we both know that when you're in those places of muck and of despair, that that's nothing but just a bunch of words. Even though it's true and it's powerful, when you're in that place, you write it off as, I know that, I know that. Someone tries to encourage you and help you, it's like, yeah, I already know that. Yeah, I've already read that. Yeah, I've already prayed that. Yeah, I've already tried that. I've already done that. Because we know that when you're in that place, you almost get the sense of, I don't want to ever get out of this place. I just want to stay in my misery. But you remind yourself, first of all, of who God is and who you are and what He did for you and what it's all about. And for me personally, you know, I go back to that time when I was sitting in that drug dealer's shed and I was counting money and I was getting high and I heard the voice of God for the first time in my life. I go back to that church in that pastor's office when I had those elders lay hands on me and pray for me to be saved and pray for me to be delivered from the addictions. I go back to that time when I was first filled with the Holy Spirit and I personally, not that it's a universal necessity or universal evidence, but I personally began to speak in tongues. I go back to those times when I didn't have enough and God moved in my life and He provided in a miraculous way. I go back to the time when I was trying to get a job and I had to have my license to get the job and that was the last day and I was on my my way to the DMV and there was no way I was going to make it in time. We were in standstill traffic and I prayed for God, God, please just let me get there in time. I got to get there by 5. My clock said 5.05 and I began praying and I was like, God, why? I didn't have any doubt. I prayed in faith. I believed. Why did this not work? And I heard the voice of God so clearly, they don't go by your clock, they go by theirs. And I got there and I tell you at 30 minutes later on my clock, 30 minutes later, I walked in and their clock still said 10 till 5. And they were open and I was able to get it done and I was able to get the job. I go back to those times when God moved in such a mighty way, and I remind myself of who God has been in the past, and who God has shown Himself to be for me, so that in the times of darkness I can hold on to what I've been shown in the light. I remind myself of who God is to me, of what He's done for me, of how He's loved me, of how He's never left me nor forsaken me, how He's never dropped me high and dry, how He's never allowed the enemy to overcome me, that even though the waves are beating violently against me, that God is still my Statue. He's still my force. He's still my strength. He's still the standard that holds everything off, the protection. And it's though that, you know, a thousand fall at my left hand and ten thousand fall at my right, they don't come against me. Though the weapons are formed, they don't prosper. I remind myself of what it's all about who God is, who I am, and what He's done for me, who He's shown Himself to me to be. And then I remind myself of the purpose of praying and of reading and of ministry. I remind myself of the purpose behind it all. And as I was praying, this one came to me last night, but it's good, so I'm going to repeat it four or five times here in a row, so just get ready. I was praying and this phrase came to me that Christianity is about intimacy, not achievement. Christianity is about intimacy not achievement." One more time, Christianity, the religion, praying, reading the Word, studying, ministry, loving one another, your faith, your relationship with God, your acts of service, your acts of obedience, they're about intimacy with God and not about your personal achievement. See, we have this tendency in On the one hand, I love reading plans because they formulate, you know, okay, this is how you're going to go through and they encourage you to read. On the other hand, I hate reading plans because then it becomes a check mark. I've got to achieve this. I've got to make this mark. I've got to meet this deadline. And it becomes almost a legalistic system on you if you're not careful. And we have this idea of like, well, I only read three verses today, but the pastor read three chapters, I'm sure. And then Johnny overdo it read three books and you know in worship you know i kind of lifted my hand halfway um you know the pastor's wife you know she was dancing and spinning in circles and that was pretty awesome but then sister shout about it got up and ran around the church so my little hand lifting really wasn't much at all um you know i pray for five ten minutes because that's all i can muster and i try to converse with god throughout the day Um, but I know that the pastor prays for at least an hour a day. He doesn't really vocalize how much he prays, but I know he's least got to pray for that much. But then, you know, the elder, ah, he told me that he prays for three hours a day every day before he has his cup of coffee. It's like so my little ten minutes doesn't really mean much. You see what I'm saying? You see, you see, you see the comparison there. You see the uh, we down ourselves because we may not look like somebody else and. You know, we may not do things the way that other people do them. If Christianity was about achievement, then that would be justified. If Christianity was about you have to read more than everybody else. You have to study more than everybody else. You have to pray more than everybody else. You have to worship more extravagantly than anyone else. You have to do more acts of service and ministry than anybody else. You have to believe stronger than anyone else. If Christianity was about achievement, then those things would be justified and that would be a great theology and a great doctrine and a great self-deprivation idea to have. It'd be great because then you'd be like, well, they, they outdid me, so now I'm gonna outdo them. That'd be great if Christianity was about achievement, but it's not. The only achievement that Christianity is about is the achievement that Jesus Christ already completed. When he said it is finished, and that was the finished work of achievement, Christianity is no longer about any other achievement other than the achievement that he already accomplished. Now Christianity is about intimacy and not achievement. So Christianity being about intimacy is, well, I may have only read three verses, but I connected with God and those three verses are going to change my life starting now, whereas Johnny overdo it, may have read three books, but he may have sped read and not have any idea what he read. Maybe he did. Maybe the three books of him reading was what it took for him to achieve that level of intimacy that he was looking for. Maybe the three chapters was what it took. Who cares? Because you're about achieving your level of intimacy with God, not about trying to overdo or outdo or outshine anyone else's level of intimacy with God. It's not about achievement. You raised your hand, but you're an extreme introvert, and that was difficult for you. Tomorrow, maybe you'll try raising your hand all the way up. You know, three weeks from now, maybe you're going to do the both both hands. My TV is this big, or my fish was this big, I don't know, change the light bulbs. Maybe uh, three months from now, you'll be dancing and spinning in circles. Maybe a year from now, you'll be the one running around the church, because it's a progressive thing. But you should never get to that place to where you're like, well, what I'm doing is not enough because look at what everybody else is doing. Because Christianity is not about achievement. So if you're sitting there and you're beating yourself up because reading the Word is a chore and praying for a, length of t- a certain length of time is a chore, it's because you've put yourself into this legalistic mentality of, I've got to have at least this much. God expects me to have at least this much. God desires me to have at least this much. No, God doesn't desire you to have, God desires you. He desires a relationship with you. He desires intimacy with you. So it's not about how much you accomplished or how much you did or how much you broke through or how much you pressed in. It's about you continuing on seeking that intimacy with God. Does that make sense? So number one, point number one, remind yourself. First of all, remind yourself who God is, that he's sovereign, alpha and omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, he who is, who was, and who is to come, the creator of the universe, the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel, he who sits upon the circle of the earth, high and lofty. God is God. Then you remind yourself of who you are, that you're a miserable wretch that was overwhelmed with sin, that you had no chance of saving yourself, that you were worthless and had no value except the value that God superimposed upon you by the overflow of His love and that He reached down and redeemed you and made you an object of desire and put the righteousness of Christ in you. And then you realize, okay, that's what God did for me. And what God? What else has He done for me? He's provided for me. He's never let me alone. He's never left me to the, cla- to the snares and the clutches of the enemy. He's always sought me. me. He's always protected me. He's always provided for me. And then you remind yourself of the purpose of reading, the purpose of prayer, the purpose of ministry, the purpose behind it all is about intimacy with Christ. It's about intimacy with the Father. That's the purpose. That's why he allowed sin in the world. That's why he sent Jesus to die and to justify us and put the righteousness of God in us through that substitutionary work is so that we might have our intimate relationship with him. So it's Christianity is about intimacy and not achievement. And you remind yourself of these things. Paul says to Timothy, stir that gift up that's in you. Stir it up, remind yourself. Peter says, even though you know these things, I thought it necessary to put you in remembrance of them. Remind yourself, think on these things. Whatsoever is good and lovely and pure, think on these things. Now, the second point, that is the easy portion. The second portion is where things start to get difficult, and that's where we're going to be in Luke 18, starting in verse 1. And we may not go through all these scriptures that I have listed. We'll just see where we go. Luke 18, verse 1. It says, Now he was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart, saying, In a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. There was a widow in that city, and she kept coming to him, saying, give me legal protection from my opponent. So she kept coming to the unrighteous judge with a request, a specific request. He kept denying her. She kept coming back. For a while he was unwilling, but afterward he said to himself, even though I do not fear God and I do not respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now, you heard what the unrighteous judge said, that he's going to answer just because of her persistence. Now, will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him night and day? And will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Now, this is in the context of the second coming of Christ, but the principle is sound. The principle is persistence, perseverance, pressing on, pressing through, pushing, never stopping, never slacking back, never giving up, continuing to push. Abraham pushed for 20 years. Joseph for 12. Faith has been praying for something for quite a long time, over 10 years, going on 11, I think, if my time is correct. Still pushing, still pressing, still don't give up. I'm not going to guarantee you. We're to, I'm, this is kind of changing the focus to a specific prayer request, but it still fits with that weight, that muck, that misery, that I don't want to pray anymore because my prayers aren't being answered. I don't want to study anymore because the things that I'm reading aren't lining up with the things that I'm experiencing. I don't want to minister to someone else because no one's ministering to me. It still fits in that context of just being in that weight of weariness. When you're just tired. You're tired of doing good. You're tired of praying. You're tired of studying. You're tired of ministering to other people. You're tired of talking church. You're tired of talking revival. You're tired of talking, talking, talking. You're tired of planning. You're tired of strategizing. You're tired. You're just wore out. But you press through and you press on and you press in, and you don't let it stop. You don't ever stop. You don't ever quit, you don't ever give up. That was where he starts it off. It was a parable to show that at all times, no matter what, that they pray and not to lose heart. That they pray without ceasing, that they never stop praying, that they never lose that passion. And sometimes you're gonna have those seasons where it's just dry, and you're just struggling on, and you're just struggling through, but you don't stop because of the struggle. You don't stop because it's difficult. You don't stop because things aren't looking the way that you think that they should look. Now, I'm not gonna lie to you because a lot of pastors would say, you just keep pressing in and your breakthrough will come. Maybe, maybe not. I'm just being honest. Maybe, maybe not. People still get murdered. People die of sickness. Even Christians die of disease. People still struggle. People spend their whole lives praying for things and sometimes they just don't get answered. Sometimes you lose that car or you lose that house. Sometimes you lose that job. Sometimes you're unable to find another one. Sometimes that miracle just doesn't come. But you're faced with an option. And when I just put this blankly in front of you, I'm just going to lay it out like this. You can either give up and run the risk of giving up moments for your breakthrough before your breakthrough. Or you can press on for the rest of your life and be a good steward of what God has asked you to do. And a good steward of the situation that you currently have. Paul's situation didn't always look favorable. Jails, prison, beatings. Um, He was finally martyred. Peter's situation didn't always look beautiful. John's situation didn't always look beautiful, didn't always appear easy. There was a lot of pain, a lot of hurt, a lot of persecution, a lot of situations that happened in a manner that they probably weren't that fond of. Situation doesn't always look like what you want it to do. And you may never get that specific breakthrough. But here's a couple of things that you need to know. Personally, I, would rather press on my whole life and never give up and run the potential of not seeing the result that I expected to see, as opposed to finally just giving up and then get to heaven and find that I was moments, days, minutes from my breakthrough. It's just me personally. So point two is pressing in even when you don't feel like it. Pressing on, even when you feel like quitting. Taking that next step when you don't know how you're going to take another one after that. Crawling, if you can't walk. (laughs) Dragging yourself, if you can't crawl. Pressing on, no matter what. Never giving up. Never stopping. Never slowing down. Never backing yourself up. Always pressing in. Always pressing through. Always pressing on. Now, if point number one is remind yourself, and point number two is press on, what's point number three? I want you to turn with me. I'm going to go to 1 John chapter 5. I'm not going to read that whole passage to Daniel, from from Daniel to you. Um, I'll reference it, but I'm not going to read the whole passage. In Daniel, You have this situation. You can go read it. I put the Scriptures, Daniel chapter 10, verses 1 through 13, and then it continues on after that. But in Daniel, he talks that he had been praying and fasting for three weeks, for 21 days. He had been praying and fasting. And he was tired and he was wore out, but he kept praying and he kept pressing. And then he has a vision. And as his vision scares all his comrades away from him. And then he feels a hand on his shoulder. And it was Gabriel, the angel, telling him and comforting him. But essentially this is what Gabriel says. He says, Daniel, I was sent the moment you began praying. You were heard the moment you sought your heart to understand and to humble yourself in prayer to God. You were heard instantly, and I was sent immediately. He says, but the prince of Persia, or the prince of the kingdom of Persia, has withstood me 21 days, and then Michael the archangel came and helped me so that I was able to come and to minister to you and to deliver this information to you. And see, sometimes we don't like to think that there's all this other stuff going on in the spiritual realm. We don't like to think about angels and demons and principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. And we don't like to think about the count, divine counsels. And we don't like to think about those things, but they are real. However we choose to view them, whether we choose to ignore them or deny them, they are still real and actively occurring. And it happened to Daniel that the prince of Persia, the principality, the spiritual ruler or demonic ruler over that area withstood Gabriel from getting and bringing the answer to Daniel. Now, I'm not saying that your specific prayer request is on its way and that Satan or some other demonic force is holding it back. I'm saying that it's a possibility, but I'm not saying that that's the reason. But the point that I wanted you to get from Daniel is that the moment that he began praying, he was heard and the answer was sent. He was heard immediately and the answer was sent immediately, even though he didn't see it for 21 days after that. 21 days where the answer was already given and sent and he hadn't received it yet. And he was still praying and he was still fasting and he was in a point of what he identifies as extreme weariness or extreme exhaustion. He, when he saw this vision, he fell on his face as dead and fell asleep. He passed out. He fainted because he was already exhausted and hungry from fasting and he was just completely wore out. And I feel like some of us, that's the position that we're in. We're probably not praying to the same extent that Daniel is. We're probably not fasting to the same extent that he was. But we're in a similar situation that we've been praying for something, we don't see it answered. We've been seeking something, or maybe it's just prayer or study in general, and we're just in this place where we're just wore out. We're just tired, and we don't know why, and we don't know how to get out of it. Well, the encouragement is, the third point is, is that when you should remind yourself, And when you should press through, then you should know. See, reminding yourself of some simple facts of who God is and who you are and what He's done and what He's doing for you are all great things. And pressing on even when it's difficult, even when it's impossible to continue reading, you take that step. If you can only read a couple words, read a couple words, and then tomorrow try for more. If you can only pray for two minutes, then pray for two minutes, and tomorrow try for three. You keep pressing. But the third thing is, is know that your answer was already sent, that your prayer has been heard from the moment that you started praying, that your devotion is not ignored. And regardless of how minuscule it is, your devotion is still recognized by the Almighty. And I'm gonna prove it to you. Not just from the passage in Daniel, but 1 John 5, verse 13. And he says, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know you may know that you have eternal life, okay? And this is the confidence that we have. This is the confidence that we have before him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us, okay? He hears us. When does he hear us? The moment that we started praying. That's Daniel chapter 10. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked from him, He hears us, and we know that we will have the answer to the request. See, confidence and knowing and knowledge are powerful things. It doesn't mean that your faith has to be the most perfect faith. It doesn't mean that you aren't going to struggle. But it means that when you get to those things, if you have to make a list and start saying, this is what I know. I know that God saved me. I know that Jesus loves me. I know that he hears me. I know that he'll answer me. I know that he provides for me. I know that he's my healer. If you have to write them down and just begin reciting them from a list to yourself so that remind yourself so that you can build that confidence. See, the first point is remind yourself. The second point is press on. And the third point is have confidence knowing who God is, knowing that the things that he said are true. You have confidence in them. You know that you know that you know that you know that God hears you that your answer will come. And this isn't easy. It's not an easy progression to follow. It sounds easy in an outline format, but it's still going to be difficult. I would never lie to you. Coming out of that place of weariness is tough, but it's possible if you can remind yourself, if you can press in, if you can press through, and if you can have confidence in the Word of God. Now, I'm going to begin to close out with this and you can flip over to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, we're going to be in verse 28. This is one of my favorite verses because it is needed in the Christian walk. If you haven't gotten to a place in your Christian walk where you just absolutely need this verse, then you will get there. Trust me. Or maybe you have needed this verse and just weren't aware that it was here well merry christmas here it is jesus says come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and i will give you rest come to me come to jesus everyone anyone all who are weary and heavy laden and to me that's exactly what we've just been describing is that you're weary you're tired of praying you're tired of reading. You're tired of ministering. And when I am say ministering, I'm just talking about loving one another through tangible acts of compassion and love. You're tired of ministering. You're tired of going to church. You're tired of hearing sermons. You're tired of trying. You're tired of having faith. You're just wore out. And you're heavy laden. And that burden of what and weight of depression and misery is sitting squarely on your shoulders, forcing you further and further and further into that muck, into that swamp of misery and self-doubt and lack of self-worth, and you're just wore out. And Jesus answers that by saying, everyone that is wore out, everyone that is heavy laden, everyone that is struggling, you can come to me and you can find rest. And I remind you, that it's not going to work if you come to Him in the legalistic tendency that you've probably placed upon yourself. If you've placed this idea on yourself of, I have to do this, 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 and this as I come to Jesus, then it's probably not going to work. I have to look a certain way or talk a certain way. It's the same thing with salvation. You you conform these ideas in your mind that I'm not good enough to be saved yet. I have to get to a certain level of goodness so that I can then be acceptable to Jesus. And it's the same lie of the enemy, just packaged differently. When you get in this state of depression, and despair and this misery and this weariness the devil just packages it and says well you need to get your act together a little bit and then you can come to Jesus and then he'll give you rest no you come to Jesus just as you are and honestly say God I don't want to pray God I don't want to study God I don't want to minister there's something wrong in me I just need you to take me into your arms and I need you to give me rest and I promise you It may not seem immediate. And it may take a little bit of time for you to fully get out of that position. But the first moment, the first moment that you just say, okay, God, I'm done trying to make Christianity work on my terms. Now I'm going to try to make Christianity work on your terms. Please, give me some rest. Because I'm tired. I'm miserable. I'm depressed. I can't pray. I can't study. I can't minister. I don't want anything to do with these people. I don't want anything to do with these situations. Just please come and help me. And I promise you that He will. I promise you that He will. Remember what we learned from Daniel. The moment you began praying, the moment that you began, God heard you and even sent your answer. 1 John 5, we know that if God hears us, that he's going to send that answer. So I just ask you this please don't stop. Please don't give up because you're weary. Please don't give up because you're tired. Please don't give up because you feel beat down and you don't feel good enough and you don't feel smart enough and you don't feel strong enough and you don't feel like you pray enough and you don't feel like you study enough and you use the excuse that you just hate reading and that you don't feel prayer because you don't know how and you just use these excuses to continue to justify you going further and further and further and be pushed down and down and down into the swamp and misery of your own lack of self-worth. Don't stop seeking Jesus even when it's difficult. Because I've said from the beginning and many of you that have followed our ministry that I've had the pleasure of leading to the Lord that I've had the pleasure of talking with I've never lied to you and I've said that Christianity is not easy and it's not for the faint of heart it's the most difficult life decision it's an easy decision to make it's, a fa- it's almost impossible decision to follow through on it, except for the grace and the aid of God I've never lied to you Christianity is difficult and this season that I'm talking about if you're not there thank God that you're not there and if you are there, then just try these steps out. Remind yourself of who God is, of who you are, of what He's done for you. Not just in your salvation, but in, over the course of your entire life. Moments when you should have died. Moments when you should have starved. Moments when you didn't have enough to pay the bills and God came through. Remind yourself. Remind yourself that Christianity is about intimacy and not about achievement. Press on, even when it's difficult. Even when it doesn't seem like the answer will ever come. Press, push, persevere. Have confidence in the Word of God. Trusting and hoping in the things that He's promised us. And approach Jesus and seek that rest. Amen. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, this has just been me sharing my heart, and I hope that there was a need for it. If not, then I enjoyed preaching it, God, because these are the things in one order or another that have always helped me come out of those positions of of despair and of misery and of lack of self-worth. These are the things that have always worked for me. And so, God, I'm asking... Lord, if anyone that hears this message is in that position of despair or in that position of misery or in that position where they don't feel like they have any worth of their own and they feel like their acts of service and their prayer and their devotion is minuscule in comparison to others and so therefore it can't be valuable, Lord, show them the error of that thought process and help them. God, I'm praying right now that You just sovereignly come to every person who needs it, who's weary and tired, whether it be from this season of uncertainty that we're in, whether it be from the lack of Christian fellowship because of this season, whether it be from just a life circumstance that may not be anything to do with this situation, Lord, whatever they may be in, wherever they might be at, Lord, I pray that You would bring them the rest that only You can bring. The peace that You give, not as the world gives, but the very peace of Jesus Christ, Lord, I pray that You would minister that to their hearts. And God, I believe with everything that is in me that people that are in this position, they can come out of it. I've been there and I've came out so I know that there is hope. Lord, don't let them lose that hope. Don't let them lose that longing and that belief that there is light at the end of the tunnel. Lord, I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.